The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. It's only been a little over a week, but a lot has happened in that time. So much. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. On this week's episode, we'll get into the schedule finally being released. Practice has started. We got to watch a little portion of practice last night. We'll give you some notes and observations from that. We'll talk about... Penny Hardaway's first press conference of the season, you know, first press conference ahead of the first practice of the season, and we'll get into the news Jason broke last night that uh, ESPN Plus is going to film a documentary series of this season. Uh, so a lot to get to. Um, let's start with last night's practice, though, Jason. Yesterday, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, Tuesday. Afternoon slash early evening, Memphis had its first practice of the season, first official practice of the season, uh, and Penny Hardaway opened up about 35 minutes of it for media and as well as uh, the Rebounders Club. And you know, it was it was different than last year. Last year, when he op- he opened it up for probably for about an hour last year, and you got to see some. He he they put on a little show, I'd say, for the fans last year, where they did some scrimmaging and things like that. This year, we really just saw defensive drills for about thirty five minutes. Yeah, um, and then a little dunk, like a dunk, an impromptu dunk, an impromptu dunk, dunk exhibition at the end of a uh, defensive drill. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, it was, but it was still, nonetheless, an interesting practice uh, or an interesting portion of practice that we saw. Um, I have a column up at commercialpeel.com where I make some five preposterously early predictions based on those thirty-five minutes, and my five predictions were. Uh, Before we get to yes. that, where where does the word preposterous rank in in terms of like the most fun words to say? Uh, yeah, it's For great. You. I mean, it's great. I was gonna go ridiculous, but I I, I like mean, preposterous better. Top twenty-five. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not an AP voter in the words <laughs> poll. Um, All right. So never mind. But no. So my I want you to react to my five observations. My sure. five preposterous <laughs> predictions. Um, one, I said Memphis is going to be led by its defense this year. Two, I said there's going to be dunks and lots of them. Three, I said uh, this is going to be this team will set records from behind the three-point line. Four, I said this will be the uh, the first time since 2013-14 Memphis will return to the uh, among the nation's top ten in attendance. And five, this will be the selfiest. Memphis team ever not self it most selfish, <laughs> um, selfishest, selfiest. selfiest. Um, I think you coined the term selfiest. I mean seriously, yeah, yeah. Maybe. you might have just coined a term. Um, All right, so, so, what do you think about each of those? Uh, Number one, they're going to be led by their defense. I mean, define led. I don't know. I don't like, know. I think they're going to be better defensively than they are offensively. But I think the. 
the better they are defensively, the better they are offensively. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think their offense, their defense can eclipse their offense because good defense leads to good offense. You see what I'm saying? I, I think they'll be better defensively than, obviously, they were last year and probably... Well, what's funny is when you go back and look at it, like, I remember them as being kind of a meh defensive team last year. For sure. They were 54th in the country in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency. And that was with no rim protector whatsoever. Well, not only that, but, I mean... And I just think you look at the pieces they have. Like, Wiseman and Precious Achua have the build and the foot speed to be just dominant defensive players. Because they can switch on every screen. They can protect the rim. Yeah, Lance Thomas, too. Can protect the rim... Um, and then you've got a lot more quality depth where I think Penny is going to press a lot more than he was able to a year ago. I think, yeah, I think I think having those guys will only make guys like Isaiah Maurice better. You know what I mean? If Isaiah Maurice I think having is, guys like that mean Isaiah Maurice ain't going to play very much. But if he has to, <laughs> he's going to be playing against... What I think it helps is it's like a guy like Tyler Harris. You can, ha- you can have him on the floor more because last year, like to be quite frank, like he got beat off the dribble a lot. Well, now you got guys in the back end who can, who can cover that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 100%. You can play more pressure defense because if you get beat, you've got these guys on the back end who can swat shots. Well, and I thought what Tyler said on Monday when we talked to him after we talked to Penny Hardaway, I thought what he said was, was very uh, uh, appropriate just about how they were, they were pretty good defensively last year, but second chance – other teams would get second chances because if you look at the numbers that was the one area where they really struggled was offensive rebounding percentage of opponents like opponents got a lot of offensive rebounds yeah. against them and that will change drastically this year yeah. and, and so in that way when i was just struck by at the practice like you know you can't glean that much from 35 minutes of defensive drills but when you go when you walk every time you go you encounter this team their length is yeah. just very impressive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Precious is a big dude. Precious really is. is, like, is longer than anyone on last year's team. And then you've got James Wiseman, who's, like, three or four inches taller than him. Right, longer than him. You right. know? Yeah. And then you got Lance, who's also a real, you know, long guy. DJ, DJ Jeffers, has yeah. good length. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and it's not, but see. Even, the, pre, even Lester Quinones exactly. is a big dude. Exactly. Um, and so and Damian Ball, I mean, yeah, and Ball is long for a point guard. Like it's just their length is really impressive, and I think it's going to make them an elite defensive team. I, I really do. I agree with that. Um, all right, there's going to be a lot of dunks. Um, I did some research last night. They only had 80 dunks last year, which seems like not a lot when you consider they played like 36 games, including the postseason. That's just a shade over two a game. And I include that. Honestly, that 80 includes the exhibition games. So. Wow. Like, yeah. They did not. There were some. They didn't. You know what was amazing? They played UCF three times last year. No dunks. Well, Taco Fall. I know. I mean, you're not getting by him. But, um, but, and so they never had more than six in any game. That's like averaging one a half. Yeah. For the whole season. That's true. And honestly, if you go through it, like really, Keevan Davenport is the only guy who had dunks. Like, uh, consistently dunk the ball last Did he year. have more than half of the... Probably, yeah. I, I didn't count, but he One had... guy accounted for... Yeah. And he's gone. But you've got, like we've already talked about, James Wiseman, Precious Achua, Damian Ball. Uh, DJ, uh, DJ like, it feels like It feels like Lance Thomas. James, Precious, and DJ 
are threats to dunk the ball anytime they get the ball in the paint. I honestly believe that. The, those three in particular. Um, Who is, who'd you say again? The three? Wiseman. Precious. Precious. DJ. DJ. For sure. Um, and you can probably throw Lance in there, although I don't know if he's quite as hoppy, if you will. But even, like, Tyler Harris can dunk when right. he gets, like, a clear lane. Boogie can dunk. Um Damian can Ball. dunk. Ball is is can dunk. I found it very funny. Like I, I don't think Penny meant for people to hear. For meant for, say me to hear this, but I happened to be re- kind of near when when he said it. But like, Jaden didn't dunk in that drill, and he turned to the coaches and he goes, he got him, he got his mama's athleticism. You know, like he yeah. wants him dunking. Um, well, and it, I thought this kind of goes to your point, and you didn't even know this. I don't think when you wrote your column, but. I talked to a couple of fans after the um, the practice window that we saw last night, and and they both have been fans of Memphis since the '60s, and uh, they told me that they reminded them of the Louisville teams from the '70s that were that were dubbed the Doctors of Dunk, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they 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 were reminded of those Louisville teams. So. Yeah, it, this is going to be a dunktastic. Well, it's just to remind. I mean, this team is so much more athletic than the past couple Memphis teams. Like, just so much more athletic. Um, we need to get. We need to talk to somebody about investing in like a decibel level um, meter or what, whatever that meter is called. Because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of electricity in FedEx Forum just because of how athletic and how explosive this team is going to be. Yes. Yes, we need. To, we should do that. Yeah, I'm just um, If they're not too expensive. Third observation. Um, this is gonna. They're gonna set records from the three-point line, and records will be broken from the three-point line. And what the reason I say that? I didn't even realize this until I looked it up last night. Like last year, they made and attempted the second most three-pointers in school history. Um. And they weren't even a very good three-point shooting team right, last year. Right. It's just, I mean, I think it's a, it's a sign of college basketball is going the way of the NBA, and particularly at Memphis because Penny plays an NBA, uses an NBA-style offense. And, like, this year they actually have good shooters. Like, last year they had Tyler Harris, who was kind of streaky, set the freshman record for most three-pointers made and attempted um, in school history. But now they got Lester. They got Boogie, who are both dead eye three point shooters. Right. You've got. You still got Tyler Harris. You've still got Tyler Harris. DJ Jeffries is a is capable of making threes. Lance Thomas is a stretch four capable of making threes. I've I've watched Wiseman attempt threes. I wouldn't be shocked if he takes some. I mean, they've got got Ryan Boyce. If he plays, he can shoot threes. Um, I think they're going to break school the school record for made three pointers and. It, Attempted three points. I think they're going to be. I'm not sure they're going to be an elite three point shooting team in terms of percentage. I certainly think they're going to be a lot better than the past few years when they haven't had good shoot. Like they've had, they've been a poor three point shooting team in terms of percentage. Um, last year they were a little better, um, but this year I think they're going to be a good three point shooting team. But I do think they're. I think they're going to set the school record for made three pointers and attempted three pointers. I'm not sure how high the percentage will be. I think it'll be better than last year and better than recent years, but in terms of makes and attempts. I mean, I don't know if I have a take on that because, I mean, we just talked about how much, how, how much dunking there's going to be. 
And so if teams are going to collapse the paint to stop Precious and James, right. and it's going to open up lots of open shots. Do we think, I, th- I think here's an interesting thing to, to keep track of perhaps, is percentage-wise between three-pointers and dunks, like what's left? You know what I mean? Like, if well, I mean in the modern NBA, that's what like that's the analytics. The analytics tell you those are the two best shots on the floor. Yeah, dunks three and three pointers. Yeah. Those in terms of what you want, what your ideal shot is. Those, those. That's it. You don't you know, the mid range game has been devalued. You think they'll account for ninety percent of their no scoring this less year? than that? But I think. Penny's system is a pick-and-roll-based system in which that emphasizes guys slashing to the basket and finding the open man right. um, and making the extra pass. Yeah. Like that, it's not a complicated system in the sense that, like, he's not running a motion offense. Right. You know, he's, he's running a more modern NBA-style offense that's based on mismatches, it's based on the pick-and-roll, and it's based on slash and kick. Um, then uh, my other prediction. Your next to last prediction. Next to last prediction. Um, that they will re-enter the top ten in a- attendance in the country. Hands um, down. I mean. I think. I think Last year they averaged 14,000 something in terms of announced attendance. And weren't they number one in the country? In terms of year to year improvement. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Experience. I mean, they were averaging six thousand something <laughs> right. in Tubbies last year. Um, now they changed the way they were counting attendance. You know, because if we if you go by the turnstile, they averaged about they went from averaging about four thousand during Tubbies last year, like forty five hundred something like that, to average. Or it was like low four thousands during Tubbies last year. To last year, they averaged in the upper eights um, in terms of butts in the seats and turnstile attendance. But in terms of tickets distributed, sold, right. whatever, it was it was fourteen thousand six hundred something. And I looked it up last year to be in the top ten in the country. You need to get to about fifteen thousand four hundred if you're going by last year's. Easily. I think they do that this year. Easily. Um, I mean, even just yesterday's event was yeah. much more crowded than the previous year's and event. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was pretty packed, pretty tightly packed in in the uh, yeah in the practice facility yesterday. And then, this is kind of a joke one, but the selfiest team. <laughs> I mean, just because I, I did some research, according to the Huffington Post, who did the research, I did some, I did some internet uh, sleuthing. Um, the selfie really became like a worldwide trend in 2013. Like, apparently, I did, I did some extensive research last night, Jason. Apparently the Japanese have. Been, apparently the selfie was invented in like 1893, like the like the taking a photograph by of yourself right. was invented in like the <laughs> 1800s. Um, okay. And then the Japanese have been doing it for years. They've been way, Japanese were way ahead of the curve. Yeah. On the selfie, um, and then like it it's the first selfie cell phone, like the first camera that had the front facing. Picture, yep. Our, our lens was like about uh, 2004, 
and then by 2013, it's like then then I, the iPhone 4 is what really kind of got it got it going. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> I did some extensive <laughs> research. Okay. Uh, on the selfie last night yep. in order to write this, and yep. then 2013 is when it like went viral. Like the selfie went viral. Was that when the selfie stick was invented? Perhaps. Perhaps. Perhaps you did, your research didn't lead you. I, did, I didn't give. I didn't go oh, that well. far. There was a whole other Wikipedia page on selfie <laughs> sticks. I didn't get you into just didn't that. Click on that. Um, but if you think about it, since 2013, I mean, yes, like the Josh. There was a good. You know, that was like kind of the end of Josh's good run, if you will, like the good part of the Josh Pastner era. But really. Haven't really had, a, as I phrased it in the column, a photogenic Memphis basketball team. Very, you know, very many since then. Right. And you can just tell how popular these guys already are. It's, it's wild. Like, because of the excitement and the anticipation that's built. I mean, just watching, like, I mean, honestly, the coolest thing I thought last night were these, these little boys that were going around getting everyone's autograph and taking pictures. Like, they couldn't have been older than four or five. And watching... Um, Precious, Precious Achua scooped them up like uh, like Hagrid in Harry Potter. Yeah, um, was just pretty incredible. And you had Wiseman sitting on the floor in order to they so they can all fit in the frame right. together. Um, this team is just going to be wildly popular. There's going to be a lot of selfies. Well, what's crazy is I would bet you ninety seven percent of the people who were at the who were at the thing yesterday have already taken a selfie with many of these players and coaches yeah. already, and yet they still want to keep doing it. And so, yeah, there's and those the players seemed very comfortable. Oh yeah, interacting it with was, the fans. It was, it was almost was, like that was the best part of their day. Um, it was. I just was struck by they. They seem there's some guys like you know they're just. I mean maybe they're because they're big recruits. They're used to it at this point, but they just seemed very comfortable. Like I like. Any like Alex Lomax was walking around like he was a dip like a politician. Malcolm Going, Dandridge was another one. Malcolm Dandridge, who, yeah, a very popular, very gregarious, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. will, like I mean, beyond what, willing. They were beyond yes. willing to do this. They were comfortable and, yeah, and precious. Fun. Was was very good with all the fans. Yeah. It was just, it was it was very cool to see. It was, um, it was, and it's only going to get. You know, bigger as long as, as long. So, as do you have any thoughts from the practice that maybe uh, we didn't we didn't talk about here that, well, that you saw that I mean, you noticed? Not not really that we didn't already talk about. I mean, of course, the defensive emphasis. There was just a heavy defensive emphasis on what we saw the the thirty five minutes that we saw. There was a very um, it was a very defensive oriented uh, portion of practice that we saw, and you know, to kind of give people an idea of of some of the drills they were doing, they they were. They divided the guys up into groups of four, and they were, like, practicing, like, closing out and swinging back and forth uh, in a zone in a zone defensive format. They were, they were sort of, you know, the ball was being moved around the perimeter, and they were practicing, like, following the ball and closing out and things like that. Um, that was a big one. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, the vid- I put out a video that sort of took off on social media of James Wiseman with this – massive thunderous dunk but what i didn't show was the first half of that drill was uh the ball started the ball like the 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 players had to follow the ball sort of around the perimeter a couple of times and then take a charge before 
like running to pick up the loose ball and then and then dunking on an on a on a like a wide open fast break sort of thing. Um, you know, some guys didn't didn't do so well with the dunk because their legs because of the first half mm-hmm. of the drill, their legs were a little bit, you know, spent. So and it was the end of practice. Yeah, so. it was the end of practice. And so but uh, uh I thought that, that that was a neat way to construct a drill is to actually put the guys through the paces before you let them run and do their do their thing. Um, I thought that was an effective uh, drill. All right, so the schedule finally came out last week. That it did. What are your thoughts? You know, we knew the majority of the non-conference, and obviously we knew who they were going to be playing uh, conference-wise uh, a couple of months ago when, that, when the pairings came out. Um, I like... Some of the non-conference games, I mean, I think having Georgia at home is good. Having Ole Miss at home is good. Going to see Oregon is a, obviously it's the biggest game of the year, potentially, um, as far as a, from a national mm-hmm. lens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't hate it. I mean, there are – I've noticed that – A lot of Saturday are, games, too. A lot of Saturday home games this year, more than previous years. And a ton of games on TV. Yes, Ton of games on TV. I mean, what? There may be six or eight that aren't on TV, and I guess is there a chance they'll get picked up? Like maybe they'll I would add guess. Yeah, maybe. Um, three games on CBS. Three regular season games on CBS proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's it looks. I I don't hate the schedule. I know that there are some people who have um, expressed. I, it's better than the past couple of years. Home, yeah. home schedule um, for sure. I think. Yeah. Um, my thoughts, I always judge schedules on, like, the stretches of games where I think are the mo- the hardest. And there's some, you know, there's some decently tough stretches. they got to play. Um, I think the, the, the one that sticks out to me is they got to play. They're playing. They play Georgia. Then they open. They play Georgia. And then they, uh, I think they go to Wichita State. They have Cincinnati at home soon thereafter. I think there's a trip to. USF maybe in there. There's there's some tough stretches where this team is going to really get tested. Yeah. Um, in terms of just having to play multiple games in a row against tough competition, and I know like if you take each game individually, this team is so talented that literally they are. I think there's you know there's no game they cannot win on this schedule. Yeah. Um, like they could. If you take it one game at a time, type of thing, go thirty-one and zero. Will they? Unlikely. Like I, I cons, I think I predicted them to go twenty-six and five, and I think I'm on the conservative end. Like I would I'm, agree. Um, I think a lot of people think twenty-seven and four, twenty-eight and three, even maybe even better than that. And I think they are capable of. They certainly. I think it's more likely they have those records than my record that I'm predicting, but I'm still predicting it because I just think, I do think what people are underestimating is it's hard to win road games, particularly with young guys. Yeah. And like, for instance, Cincinnati has lost one AAC road game in the last four years. Houston has lost one road game period over the last two years. So I mean, maybe Memphis can go into those places and win, you know, you got to go play Oregon in Portland. You got to play Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, 
You know, you got NC State at the Barclays Center. NC State's going to be a tournament team. You have Ole Miss and NC State back-to-back um, games. Yeah, so that brings – like, I pulled up the schedule in front of me, and I would say the most interesting stretch of non-conference games is a five-game swing that starts on November 23rd at home against Ole Miss. Uh, that's a noon tip. Uh, then they go, like you said, they go to the Barclays Center to play NC State on Thanksgiving Day at 3 o'clock. That's on ESPN. Uh, and then they get Bradley at home on December 3rd. And then they go to UAB and to Tennessee uh, December 7th and December 14th. That, to me, is a very interesting stretch of games. You know, two home, three away, Ole Miss and Bradley at home, NC State, UAB and Tennessee. I think that's a very uh, – that's one I'll be. That's a stretch I'll be watching. And then in conference, um, February thirteenth and February sixteenth at yeah. Cincinnati at UConn. That's a, yeah. That's a tough little stretch right there. That whole February stretch is yeah. Towards the end of the year will be difficult. Um, that's I, like, this team's going to get challenged, and that's good. They need to because they don't have a lot of guys. Like even Lance Thomas, who's like a veteran on this team, has not played very much college basketball. Right. They don't have a lot of guys, and like. Another question will be, do they have, like, Penny mentioned it. I think one of the notable things this week is it sounds like Penny is still hopeful that Isaiah Stokes will be eligible this year. Um, And I think he could be valuable just in the sense that he's played a decent amount of college basketball games. Right. Which these other guys haven't. Having that as some depth, it would be very helpful. Sure. Um, As we wrap things up here, you broke the news last night that ESPN Plus is going to be filming a documentary series in which they follow around the Memphis basketball team this year. It's similar to what they did with Duke a year ago. Mm-hmm. What do you think it means for the program? Um, what else can you tell people? Well, I mean, it was back in February of this year that it was reported that ESPN Plus passed the 2 million paid subscriber plateau. Uh, I mean, that's, that is a lot of, you know, that's a wide audience. I mean, the Memphis basketball team is already um, going to have a lot, going to be getting a lot of attention. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs and cameras and, and, and that sort of thing on this, on this Memphis basketball team. Well, it's going to be even more now, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you add this into the mix. Um, I know that filming is supposed to start next week. Um, I know that uh, the premiere is set for like mid-November. Uh, from what I from what I understand, there's not a hard date yet, but uh, it sounds like it'll be a little bit after the regular season opener, which is November 5th um, against South Carolina State. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot. Um, it's going to be similar, like you said, to the Duke uh, series that was on ESPN Plus last year. They called it Earn Everything. It's it was an eight episode. Um, essentially, they call it a documentary series, 10, 12 minutes per episode, roughly, in that range, and it's going to be that again this year. Um, I, I, from what I understand, uh, the, a large, I guess the the narrative outside of the basketball part of it is going to deal with Penny and um, the reason he came back to the city to coach, as we know. And it kind of underscores, I wrote earlier this week, like, yes, everyone's really excited about the number, what this number one recruiting class can do. That's like, I think like the rebounders, that's what you saw last night. Like, 
those people and people around the city are really excited to see what this team looks like. But in the grand scheme of things, the spotlight is really on Penny Hardaway yeah. because what this number one recruiting class does will be used as either a it will be used as either proof that he is a great coach or an indictment on whether on it'll be it'll be a it'll be a litmus test essentially on what type of coach he is. I don't think people are going if if this team doesn't live up to his expectations, people I don't think people are going to react by going Man, James Wiseman and Precious Achua were not as good as we thought. They're right. going to react by going, by going, you know, Penny Hardaway. Look, he messed this up. Or if they make the Final Four, they take the college basketball world by storm this year. They go, they have some gaudy record and just run through teams. There, it's it's going to be. Look at what Penny's built. For sure. Um, and so. Um, I think this documentary series underscores that. I mean, yes, they're coming for the number one recruiting class, but they're coming for Penny. Yeah, I mean, he's the anchor, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and rightfully so. And that's that's the way it is at the best college programs. I, I noted this in my column earlier this week. I mean, Nick Saban in Alabama, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, John Calipari at Kentucky. They become the the anchor, if you will, the face. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes some people view them as villains, but that – that usually tells you that they're doing something right. Yeah, I would agree. you know, people are jealous. Yeah, for sure. People want you know, and so um, it just adds another layer to what was already a fast going to be a fascinating season, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, content is king, and um, there's there's going to be. I mean, they did a fine job with the Duke series last year, so it'll be it'll be fun to to watch this one and see how it all unfolds. Well, we will join you next week. We'll probably, I think we'll wait till after. Memphis Madness is next Thursday. We didn't even mention that. So next Thursday, Memphis Madness. Um, I don't know if there might still be a ticket or two left, but it's just about sold out. Um, Penny has been giving no hints as to who the surprise guests will be this year. Um, But we'll probably join you. At the, after that, on Friday, okay. um, react to what took place at Memphis Madness, what recruits showed up, um, and uh, what the team looked like. Because we'll actually maybe we'll get you know it won't be a won't be a uh, intense scrimmage, but they usually do do some sort of scrimmage at that event. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, so till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you for listening. The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at CommercialAppeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.